Welcome back to the Castration Crew. Yes, you heard that right. Castration Crew is indeed the name of a group consisting of four girls. This is our exciting 100th episode, so thank you all for listening once again. We are your hosts, Elise Warren, Caitlin Meredith, Caitlin Taylor, and Melinda Lowe. Today, to celebrate talking to you guys 100 times, we are going to have a special guest joining us. Someone who has made a major impact in my life. I can't wait to welcome my old high school agriculture teacher to this podcast. Not only are we going to be exhibiting a guest speaker, we are going to cover two informative topics in today's conversation. Our chosen species of this week's castration is sheep. You may wonder how we are going to cover a whole podcast talking about sheep castration, but there are plenty of ways and stories to keep you entertained. To give you all a slight hint on what the stories may entail, has anyone ever put a farm animal's testicle in their mouth? That would be a no. I can't say that I have. You say what I think I heard you say? I sure did. I'm excited to hear this story now. Anyway... Continuing to what we're going to cover in today's episode, additionally to castration, the castration crew is going to be covering the importance of tail docking in sheep. Docking? As in parking a boat? Mm, Not quite for today's conversation. Farmers will dock the tails of sheep as it is crucial to their health in the long run. Won't some say that tail docking is painful to the animal? Although some may infer that this procedure causes discomfort to the animal, as you guys will see later, it is the most humane way to keep this animal healthy as it develops and becomes older. After this conversation, y'all will understand the importance of these procedures and why farmers perform these procedures. Stay tuned for an interesting podcast today. This is definitely my favorite episode we've recorded. Now, I'm going to go ahead and pass this to Caitlin, who is going to start us off with a little bit of background information and the pros and cons of these procedures. And once again, thank you for tuning in to the Castration Crew. Welcome back. It's good to be here today. I'm Caitlin Taylor, and I will be your host for this segment of the episode. And today, I'm going to be discussing why tail docking is so important, the pros and cons, as well as different tail docking methods. First thing is first, tail docking significantly reduces the chance of fly strike. Which is a serious which causes serious suffering, as well as potential death from lambs. According to the American Veterinary Medical Association, it occurs when flies lay their eggs on the sheep. The maggots then burrow into the flesh and poison the sheep with the ammonia that they secrete. As the sheep's skin becomes irritated, additional flies are attracted to the site. A sheep can die within three to six days of the onset of fly strike. Fly strike, and I have witnessed, is crucial to avoid within a flock. Not only does it cause severe suffering and irritation to the lambs, but from a producer and market standpoint, it can cause severe profit loss. So it's important that we as producers keep in mind different methods on how to prevent such an issue. What you most primarily is tail docking. Now, with that being said, tail docking has been proven to also increase 
feed efficiency, improve heat stress tolerance, and reduce the chance of fly strike and infection. But like, we know there's a downside to everything, right? Well, just like everything else, the downside, the biggest concern with tail docking is animal welfare. A lot of the public doesn't always completely understand the procedures that we use here within the livestock industry. This communication gap raises concerns that we as producers and agriculturalists must address. Now, after docking, I will admit lambs have tendencies to stomp, be restless, and vocalize in response to pain because lambs do feel discomfort, especially 24 hours post the procedure. But it is only mild and it lasts for only a short period of time. And in the long run, this short period of pain is worth it in order to avoid such a severe infection such as fly strike. As producers, we must also be a risk, be aware of the r- increased risk for rectal pro- prolapse that comes with tail docking. According to a study by the American Veterinary Association, the shorter the tail is docked, the higher the risk is for prolapse. Now, you may be wondering to yourself how to go about tail docking and what procedures will work best. Well, that'll be covered later on within this episode, but I'm going to go ahead and touch base on a few of the most common ones. The most common method is the rubber band. Here, you use an elastorator to apply a tight-fitting ring or latex band around the tail, cutting the circulation and causing the skin cells to die and the tail to eventually fall off. A docking iron or a hot blade can also be used. This involves severing and cauterizing the tail. Here, the cut end of the tail is held against the hot blade for approximately one second. This method involves a higher discomfort level, but it also decreases the risk for potential infection. Producers can also combine methods by applying a rubber ring and following it up by crushing immediately or potentially one to two days later. Like I mentioned earlier, you put the ring on the tail using an elastrator. After doing so, you crush the tail area to immediately reduce blood flow. It's been noted that young lambs have exhibited less behavioral pain responses with this method according to the ABA. Now, these are the most common methods, but another common method of tail docking is combining all three of the methods that I just mentioned. It's been found that producers have found it beneficial to put a ring on the tail and crush it, allowing the skin and nerve cells to begin to die off. After that, they then take the hot blade or docking iron and cauterize and cut the tail. Not only does this limit the amount of pain from the docking iron, as some of the skin and nerve cells have already died off, but it also reduces the chance of potential infection as the hot iron goes ahead and cauterizes the tail area. As someone who's been involved within the show lamb industry, I can personally attest to the importance of tail docking. Now, I'll go ahead and get off the microphone now. I know I can be a bit long-winded, but, you know, I guess that's what's happening when you're talking about something as exciting and exhilarating as tail docking and castration. Until next time, I'll see you later, and I'm Caitlin Taylor with the Castration Crew. This is Elise Warren, and in this segment of the podcast, we are going to be covering the castration process, why it is performed, different methods of castration, it will go more in depth on that testicle comment that was mentioned in the introduction. To start, what exactly is castration? 
Castration is the act of removing testicles of a male animal. This makes the male infertile and unable to reproduce. Grown and intact males of any species develop to be much stronger and more aggressive. This is due to the extra testosterone hormone being produced in the body. According to our friends at the Medical News Today, they state, and I quote, that testosterone has profound effect on brain circuits involved in human and animal aggression. In other words, for our viewers, extra testosterone in any body causes increased activity of the brain when faced with fear or something threatening, making these animals more difficult to manage as they may try to fight back more, which is not something farmers will find appealing while trying to handle a large number of animals at once. Another reason castration is performed is to help control offspring. Farmers do not spay females as that would be more intrusive of a procedure. Therefore, sterilizing the males help keeps the breeding down to a controlled amount. A third reason male sheep are castrated is because minimizing the amount of testosterone also helps reduce the aversive flavor in the meat from an intact animal. An important thing to know while performing this procedure is that it should always be completed on an animal as young as possible. The younger, the quicker the recovery and less likely for any complications. Another important thought is that good restraint is the key for a smooth process during this procedure. Now, I'm going to continue this segment by explaining a few different ways farmers may castrate their sheep. To start, the most common and easiest way is banding. Banding is a traditional method of castration in ovine. A very small, tight rubber band is placed around the scrotum. By using a tool referred to as an elastrator, this then causes a loss of blood flow to the designated area causing the scrotum and testicles to shrivel up and fall off within a few weeks. Pros of this procedure are it is bloodless, easy to perform, and the tools are widely available. The lamb will experience discomfort after the bands are placed, but will return to its normal self within a couple of days. Cons include the breaking of the bands, which will then interrupt the disruption of circulation or a potential for a missed testicle. It is important to look twice to make sure this is done correctly before sending the lamp off again. Another term for banding includes elastration. But besides this procedure, some performers will complete castration with the Berdizo method. The Berdizo tool crushes the blood vessels, which will then kill off the testicle. However, this procedure takes time as the tool must be placed for about 10 seconds. Although it is bloodless, it may be unreliable when done incorrectly. Now, the last two methods I'll elaborate on are the surgical methods with and without anesthesia. Not so often with farmers, but seen more commonly with households that keep sheep just for pets, castration will be performed by a veterinarian while the animal is under sedation or light anesthesia. This is a reliable way to execute the castration correctly, but it is costly. The last method I will be covering is the non-anesthetic surgical castration. Testicles will be opened with a knife or a scalpel. The emasculator will then cut and crush the spermatic core and will be twisted with the Henderson tool. A dull knife will then have to be used to abrade. At this section of the procedure, you do not want to cut this section straight through as it may lead to excessive bleeding. This is why a dull knife is used. Or some farmers will even use their teeth. And yes, you did hear that correctly. This is where we get into our fun story. So Mike Rowe works with the show Dirty Jobs and was sent out to a farm to assist with castration. Arriving in Colorado, he expected to help banding the lambs. However, when he arrived, he heard the slurping sound of the farmer as the testicles were being removed. 
Um, can we take a minute to realize how in shock one must be, then realizing he will have to perform exactly that? I don't know how I would be handled in that situation. However, Mike Rowe used a knife to open the scrotum, but then used his own teeth to rip off the testicles. So, of course, he asked the farmer, why use your teeth? Why, when you can use banding instead? However, he shortly got his answer. From his experience of seeing the aftermath of the sheep, he then realizes, yes, it is very unconventional, but it gets the job done and results in less pain. The lambs that had their testicles cut by teeth were already back to grazing, when the ones who got banded were still moping around due to this comfort from the bands. So there you have it, different castration methods, including the most bizarre, but accomplished one. So make sure you send us an email if you have any crazy castration stories. I would love to hear them. And who knows, you may even be featured on our next castration episode. I'm looking forward to hearing them. And since this is our special 100th episode, this section will now jump over to the tail docking. I hope you all stick around and I hope you guys enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the castration crew. My name is Caitlin Meredith and I'll be your host on today's episode. I have a special guest with me today. She's the future of my breeding program. She goes by the name of Cookie Doe or Cookie Butt. She is a 10 month old registered Dorset Advantage youth that I have raised right here at KCL in small town Westville, Oklahoma. Can you say hi to everyone, Cookie? It is so good to have you with us today. In this segment of the podcast, we'll be talking about the importance of tail docking, how it can affect the health of the lamb, and a few common practices used. Banding should be done after the lamb is at least 24 hours old because it can affect the colostrum intake and the bonding done with the ewe. Tail docking is very important to the lamb's health. Tail docking has not been shown to consistently improve the growth rate, although studies have shown that tail docking can increase feed efficiency, reproductive capacity, live weight gain, and heat tolerance. There are other health issues involved in not docking tails. If the tails are not docked, they can collect feces, which over time can build up. This can cause a fly strike and other infections that is very painful to the lamb and can eventually result in death. Tail docking is done multiple ways depending on the intentions the producer has for the lamb. Shell lamb's tails are docked the shortest for the appealing look it gives their rump, legs, and elongated body. Lambs meant for meat production are docked three to five inches or beneath the caudal fold. It has been shown in large studies that lambs that are docked above the caudal fold have a higher risk of rectal prolapse and other complications. In the show lamb industry, the practice of docking lambs' tails is known as extreme docking. This uh, extreme docking is very frowned upon by many inside and outside the lamb industry because of the complications that can arise from them. The first method of tail docking is the banding method. This is the method we use uh, at KCL when banding our young lambs. This method consists of either one or two thick rubber bands that are placed around the desired spot on the tail. This action eliminates the blood flow to the tail, which in turn causes it to fall off. 
Many producers may cut the tail off with a knife after the bands have been on for about a week. In total, this process takes anywhere from 7 to 10 days. The amount of pain can depend on the lamb and if the band is placed between or on a vertebrae. This process is the least painful method on the lamb. The next three methods are much faster than the banding method. Using these methods, the lamb will return to the flock with absolutely no tail or a, a very shorter one. The second method is the electric docking iron. This method cuts and cauterizes the tail simultaneously. It is typically used in older lambs and batch processing. If done correctly, this process can be less painful than the banding method. The third method is emasculators. This method uses both cutting and crushing simultaneously. The crushing action of this tool seals the blood vessels to ensure there is no bleeding. It cuts the tail while sealing the blood vessels. The emasculators should be held on the tail for at least 30 seconds to ensure there is no bleeding. The fourth and final method is the Bradesio. This is very similar to the emasculators because it uses, cr uses a crushing mechanism but does not include the cutting. The cutting of the tail must be done with a knife while the Bradesio is still on the tail. This is the most, most painful method of tail banding. I hope this segment was very informative, interesting, and gave you some insight of some of the practices used in the sheep industry. These practices done are meant to improve the health and quality of life of the lambs and not to cause pain to the lambs. Thank you for tuning in to this segment of the Castration Crew. Cookie says bye, everyone. Now, moving on for this episode, we thought that it would be super important and valuable to hear some information from outside sources. Joining us today is my high school agriculture teacher, Miss Cannon, who's going to give us a little bit of a perspective from the teacher's point of view, as well as the student's eye on learning a little bit about sheep practices. Particularly, we're going to talk a little bit about castration and tail docking, but we're super interested in talking to Miss Cannon today and just learning, uh, you know, more about um, the purpose of the sheep farm at their high school and what the students really learn um, from those sheep methods. Well, thank you, Miss Cannon, for joining me for our 100th episode um, about castration and tail docking in sheep and goats. My pleasure to be here. So um, I just want you to start off a little bit with getting um, some background information about yourself and your teaching career, just so um, our audience has a little bit of an idea um, about what you do. I've been teaching agriculture at Orland High School in Orland, California since 1996. 1996. 1996, yes. And uh, started right around the time your dad was there. And um, 
I've learned a lot over the years. We've developed a school farm where we have a sheep flock and a greenhouse and show barns and sheep and hog barns. And so I've got to be a part of the growth of the high school. It went from being a program for, with about 150 kids. And right now we have 300 FFA members, agriculture students. Wow. And I don't even think there was that many when I was there. It, there was not because we didn't have Mr. Weatherby. We've added an ag teacher. So that added about 100 students. That to the makes sense. The, the shop students, right? The, the woodshop right. students. Woodshop students, yes. So I guess that kind of brings me to my next question um, on, did you, um, did you plan on implementing the sheep into your school curriculum or, or how did you end up with those sheep um, at your school farm? So I took over the sheep project from the previous ag teacher when he retired. Unfortunately, in 2014, we had a young lady who suddenly passed away who had been showing sheep all four years of high school and had a breeding flock. And so her father donated the breeding flock to the school farm. So we inherited all of her ewes and we've been working with that flock. We call it the smock flock because her name was Natalie Smock. And so we've been working with the smock flock in the classes ever since. Do you remember um, how many sheep you started off with? How many came from the smock flock? We had 12 ewes that were Dorper St. Croix crosses, hair sheep. Okay. Um, and how many do you have now? We are now at 26 sheep. Oh, my goodness. And so I know you've mentioned earlier, and so um, where do those sheep go? Do you sell them? Um, do students buy them and then um, show them at the school or the school, the, um, the fair? Or kind of how does that work um, with that program? So they are strictly a commercial flock. And so we sell them for meat purposes. And we have a uh, community that uses uh, sheep for cultural observances. And so that's a market for the lambs. And then mostly though, we've been, we just keep them and have them for the students to be able to work on while they're in class. So the flock is available to the kids to learn giving shots and handling animals. That's huge because sheep aren't easy to handle. And so a lot of these kids have never been around livestock before at all. So it's, it's uh, quite an experience for them to get to chase sheep and try to get them in the pen. And then once we get them in, handle them and give them shots, deworm them, castrate, <laughs> tail dock. I'm sure it opens sheer, up their eyes. <laughs> and so do you do a lot? Do you do that every year? Um, specifically that tail docking and um, castration, the vaccines and shearing. Is that something that your students do year round? Yes. So the students are responsible for, for the veterinary health of the animals. So they are, we have one young lady that's the sheep manager. And so she takes care of the animals in the off season, but in the season when kids are there, school season, the students are responsible for deworming and giving shots. And uh, yeah, and then when we, in lambing season, we have to obviously treat all the lambs as they're born and making sure that the ewes are productive, you know, that they're up to par in their vaccinations and feeding. 
and then they dock tails and castrate for the newborn lambs too. Got you. Awesome. So, um, what do you think are the benefits of that hands-on learning? Do you think that those students learn a lot from that? Do you think that they enjoy that? Um, does that kind of motivate them to be more involved in your classroom or kind of help out at that school farm? It does, definitely. And that's why students take agriculture classes and vocational technical classes because they get the hands-on component. And so many students do better learning with a, in a hands-on environment and they retain that information. And there's plenty of studies that show that. And the funnest part, I think, is not necessarily kids like you that come from agricultural backgrounds that have handled livestock. It's those kids that have never handled livestock before. And you put them in the pen and the, you know, they say, okay, grab that lamb. We're going to do this. And they do, or they flip them or they, you know, they'll handle, they'll pick up a baby and we'll give them shots and they get the experience of handling another species that is totally reliant on them for their upkeep. And so just watching that growth and that learning curve, and that might be the first and last time that they handle an animal like that, but they have that experience. And I think it makes them a more appreciative consumer when they grow up and realize where their products come from, their wool, their lamb, their meat. So yeah, hands-on is definitely the way to be taught by anybody in any topic. Ms. Cannon provides a different perspective in this interview, um, you know, about the sheep practices and about how tail docking and castration can be um, for educational use and purposes um, with students who are learning more about agriculture in their classrooms. In this 100th episode, we've learned a whole lot. We started off with Caitlin Taylor sharing some of the history of tail docking and castration, as well as the importance of it, why the farmers do it, the pros and cons, and what's recommended. We then headed over to Elise Warren, who covered the different castration methods, um, if there's a main one um, or if there's a weird unconventional one. She then also shared a funny story with Mike Rowe at Dirty Jobs and his own experience helping with the process. Caitlin Meredith explained the process of tail docking, how it's done, what happens if it's not docked, if different lengths serve for different purposes. We then joined myself, Melinda Lowe, in interviewing my high school agriculture teacher, Miss Cannon who gave a different perspective on how tail docking and castration can be used for educational purposes in high school programs. We're so excited and are thankful to have shared this 100th episode with all of you. Make sure to send in your funny stories to Elise um, of your own castration or tail docking experiences. And maybe... You'll be tuned on our next episode of the Castoration Crew. Thank you for watching, and we're excited to see you soon.